Well, Merry Christmas, and I'm so glad you have joined us this Christmas Eve Eve. I'm Petey. I'm senior pastor here at CPC, and uh, you know, for all of you who wished for a white Christmas, just come blame this one on you. You braved the weather. Thanks for, thanks for making it here tonight. And, and though, I mean, I drove all over the Twin Cities today, and it feels like the weather was very frustrating. Winter can be very frustrating, um, but it can also be very beautiful. Uh, for instance, this past week, one of our staff took this picture right here. Um, if you see those halos that are out to the side of the sun, I'm told that those are called sun dogs. That's their name, sun dogs. I do not know why. If somebody knows why after the service, tell me why they're called dogs. They don't look like dogs to me, but they're called sun dogs. And what happens is when it gets cold enough, there are ice crystals in the air and the ice crystals refract the light so that you see sun dogs. So something very unique happens. This is sort of a, uh, it's a, an effect, uh, an optical illusion known as a halo. Uh, and, and so uh, a sun dog is a type of halo. And something very unique happens and we see something that we otherwise couldn't see. What I want you to see this Christmas is that the birth of Christ births new possibilities. That, that we see something unique at Christmas. This baby is born into the world, that God comes to us in Jesus. Something unique happens that allows us to see different possibilities for our lives and for our world. The birth of Christ births new possibilities. Over the last uh, few weeks as a church, we've been looking at, uh, you saw the bumper video, that there are these women that are listed in the lineage of Jesus. And this is very unique. So Matthew, in his gospel, his story about Jesus, he begins the gospel by laying out Jesus' family tree. And in Jesus' family tree, he, he includes five women. And in a, in a patriarchal society, it was very uncommon and unusual to include women in a family tree or lineage. And so there's something that he's trying to communicate by including these five women. Now, four of them are in the Old Testament, and their stories are very unique. When you read their stories, you see that they show us that God includes the outsider. He includes the unexpected. He does something special by including these four unexpected women in the lineage of Jesus. And so right off the bat, as, we're, as you're seeing that these women are included, you're like, wait, something's different He's hinting to us that maybe the rules, the way the world normally works is not, those rules aren't at play here. Something is up. And and in fact, what we see is that in the fifth story, the fifth woman in the lineage of Jesus named in Matthew is Mary. And we actually see that, that they're literally birthing new possibilities into the world through the story of Mary. So here's what it says in Matthew chapter one. It says, Jacob was the father of Joseph the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. And so Messiah is a word that means anointed king. He was the expected king that Israel had hoped for to replace David on the throne. David from years and years ago that they were expecting a new king called a Messiah and said that Jesus, the baby who was born, is that Messiah. And so I just want to take a few minutes and tell you Mary's story. Rather than reading it, I just want to tell you Mary's story and to see how Mary's story helps us understand who Jesus is and what he came to do. And so Mary was this illiterate, poor peasant. 
12 or 13 years old, living in a backwater town called Nazareth in an out-of-the-way province called Galilee. She was part of a faithful Jewish family, and she found herself at home one night. She was engaged or betrothed to a man named Joseph. She was alone in her house, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel named Gabriel appears to her. Imagine how frightening that would be. You're in your room by yourself, and an angel out of nowhere, this strange, angelic man just appears in the house with you. And to calm Mary down, to make sure she doesn't freak out and run, the angel Gabriel immediately says, oh, no, 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 this is good news. This is good news. This isn't a bad news angel visit. This is a good news angel visit. He says, actually, it's good news. It's crazy good news. You are going to be the mother of a child. And he says that child is going to be, he says three things about that child. The first is the child will be Jesus. And so the the Jewish word is Yeshua, and Yeshua means God saves. So this child will mean that God saves, God rescues. But also says that this child will be son of the Most High. This will be son of God. And the third thing he says is that this child will be Israel's redeemer, that they will be the hope of the people of God and therefore the hope of the world. This is a very special child to be born. But Mary, a virgin, betrothed to Joseph, an honorable and faithful Jewish woman, says, but there's a problem with your story. I'm a virgin I'm not married. How on earth could I possibly have a child? Now, it was not uncommon for a 12 or 13-year-old woman in her day to be married and have a child, but she was not those things. And so Gabriel tells her, oh, no, no, no. This is not about you. God is the one who will do it. In fact, here's, here's what the angel Gabriel says, and these powerful words should shape how we hear the story of Mary. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary joyfully and humbly accepts this word from Gabriel and says, God, let your will be done in my life. That's Mary's story. So I want to take a few moments and I want to make three comparisons between Mary in Jesus. Because if Jesus comes in the lineage of Mary, then there's something about Mary that helps us understand who Jesus is and what he came to do. So number one is this. Mary realizes her helplessness, yet offers herself. And then Jesus offers himself to help the helpless. Mary models humble submission. She models humble submission. Her life serves something greater. She's open and willing to be used for God's purposes. And in the same way, Jesus models humble submission. His life is used for God's purposes. He offers himself all the way unto death. He gives himself to God's purposes and models humble submission. He gives his life for us. Number two, Mary is filled with the Spirit for the task God has for her. And Jesus, likewise, is filled with the Spirit for the task that God has for him. So so the angel Gabriel says, you're going to have this baby, and it will come. The Holy Spirit will fill you. 
And part of what we learn is that that reveals to us that this is not about Mary's qualifications. It's not about something Mary has done or will do. It's about something only God can do himself. And in the same way, when Jesus starts his ministry, the spirit descends upon him in his baptism. And the point that that reveals to us is that Jesus is a savior from God. He is not a human savior. This is not about human power. And our world and our lives has seen plenty of human saviors. And the spirit says, this is not about what humans are doing. This is about what God is doing. When God wants something done, God himself is the one that steps in to do it. Number three, for Mary, God breaks through the impossible. And through Jesus, God breaks through the impossible for us. You see, there are lots of things that we learn through the Christmas story. But one of them is that the virgin birth shows us that God does the impossible. In fact, theologian T.F. Torrance said that the birth from the Virgin Mary carries with it a real disqualification of human power as capable of producing Jesus. He's saying that no human could do this. It's impossible. A virgin birth is impossible. And just like God does the impossible for Mary, God does the impossible for us. If this is Jesus' family tree, we're heirs of that same story. Mary's story is our story. God does the impossible for Mary. He wants to do the impossible for us. He comes into the world to break through our impossible. He breaks through for all of us who feel stuck. For all of us who feel like we keep coming up short. For all of us who feel like we fail over and over. He comes for all of us who have everything or have tried everything and cannot find joy or peace or satisfaction. He breaks through our impossible, right? We're trying to get to a good life on our own strength, and that is impossible. No human could do it. It's impossible. But remember what the angel Gabriel said, with God, nothing is impossible, and Jesus does the impossible for us. In his life, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, Jesus comes to overcome the impossible that we get stuck in our sin and brokenness, trying to do for ourselves what only God himself can do. God comes into the world at Christmas to break through our impossible, to offer us a different way of life. When God breaks into the world, it changes everything. The birth of Christ births new possibilities for your life and for mine. There's something that's possible in our lives when we lay down our attempts at trying to do the impossible on our own and instead receive from God. See, God used Mary, not because Mary was perfect, but because Mary wasn't trying to do the impossible on her own. She received from God in humility. Pastor Eugene Peterson once said that Jesus said, follow me and ended up with a lot of losers. 
And those losers ended up through no virtue or talent of their own becoming saints. Jesus wasn't after the best, but the worst. And that's good news for us because Jesus doesn't come into the world looking for those who have it all together, those who have the best resume, those who can prove how much they've done on their own, how they've overcome and achieved. He's not coming to look for those. He's coming for those who are willing to receive the impossible, not from our own strength, but from him alone. He's coming for those who are willing to admit that we are broken. And the thing is, I don't know about you, but as a, as a perpetually recovering perfectionist, I love for people to think I'm doing a good job. I love to show how competent I am. And I think even like in, in our culture of the Southwest Metro here, it's hard to admit that we don't have it all together. It's hard to admit that we're not perfect. It's hard to admit that we have limits that we might hit sometime, right? We try to live an impossible life. And I'm curious for you, what might change? What might change in your life if you admitted your limits and you instead received what God has for you? If you're willing to admit the limitations of your own abilities and to instead say, God, what do you have for me? Mary willingly received what God had for her. Will you receive what God has for you? Mary was the fifth woman listed in the lineage of Jesus in the book of Matthew, the fifth. And if you read the stories of the first four, they have quite an adventure they are disreputable. They are disgraced. They have broken stories. They have been ashamed. They have been guilty. Many of them who found themselves disgraced for no reason of, no fault of their own, but how oppressors had acted towards them. There were four women with very hard stories. And then Mary comes and what we know about Mary is that Mary was a good, upright, faithful Jewish woman, a virgin betrothed to be married to a simple man named Joseph. And the angel comes and says, you're gonna be pregnant out of wedlock before you're married. And so I think it's easy for me at least to hear that story and to go, man, Mary is gonna be disgraced like the other four. She's gonna carry the shame and guilt of this pregnancy. But that's not how Mary sees it. In fact, there's a song called the Magnificat. It was Mary's song. And Mary says the opposite. She says that this pregnancy is proof that God comes into the world to set the humble right, to lift up those who are broken, to change the way of life for those who have been disgraced and left behind, that this is good news. Mary understood who she was. She admitted her limits. And I think the thing is, when we admit we need God, when we acknowledge that we have limits, it doesn't mean we're failures. 
It doesn't mean the end of our life. It means the beginning of a life with Jesus. And that's what Christmas offers us. To give up all the ways we're depending on ourselves and to instead receive the gracious gift of the king who comes into the world to break through our impossible, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, to offer us a life with God now and for eternity. Let's receive the gift of Christmas. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, as we hold Mary's story before us, we hold it in our hearts and we ask that it would ring true for us, that you would help us wrestle with where we're trying to do the impossible, to carry the weight of a good life on our own and where we can instead give it over to you this Christmas Eve. God, we love you. Thank you that you come to us, that we don't deserve it, but that you step into our world to bring us your grace and your mercy and your love. May it be everlasting in our souls and pour out into the world around us through our lives. We love you and praise you. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, amen.